You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh. Proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. LFG-Oz.com.au Or you could visit their store in Canberra. It's in the ACT. For all your board gaming needs. And now, on with the show. And we're back for episode 356. It's the Dice Men Cometh coming at you. Oh, this is immediately within days that we're heading off to BorderCon. Now, for those of you who don't know what BorderCon is, <laughs> where have you been? We've talked about it so much on this show because just like the show, BorderCon is all about playing card games board games, maybe even some role-playing games, and hanging out with friends at, around, under, over, near, beside, between tables. Sometimes through as well, because there is a traditional wrestling game that happens, and they, they might get a little bit excited there. And yeah, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about board games. That's what we do in this show. Absolutely. We've been doing it for a long time. I would, if I had to guess... I would say maybe 356 times we've talked about board games. (laughs) That's right. And I think we've mentioned it a few times now in previous shows, but coming up, I think it's October. That's when we hit our 10th anniversary, which is massive. But today, Garth, before we get into things, of course, we have to thank our very kind sponsor, Charles. Yes. From LFG Australia. And Charles is doing this amazing thing where he's doing pre-orders and taking them to BorderCon for people. I know, it's pretty generous. I was actually speaking with him only about a week ago Mm -hmm. uh, about some of those orders. Mm -hmm. And uh, he and I were talking while he was on holiday in South Korea. So So he just never stops. You know, the power of board games compels him (laughs) um, to also take a holiday now and again, but to make sure that he's always and always focused on board games. He is such a lovely guy. But Garth. Yes. In this episode, we also need to thank another lovely group of people. Yes. We- and that is Good Games Australia, because they have provided us with not one, but two of the games we're going to be talking about tonight. Those games being Hickory Dickory and <gasps> Star Wars, the deck building game. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Um, so we're going to get into talking about those. We're going to talk about a competition, a very exciting competition we've got. A very new, well. new competition. Mm. We haven't done this kind of competition before, so it's all a little bit exciting. And it's so crazy because we're not giving away a board game. No. What? What, you say? And we're not giving away two or three board games no, either. we're not giving away any board games in that competition. But we are giving away something that you'd put on a table. Oh, yeah. Let's 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 leave it at that. Mm. Come back to the competition later. Um, but in the meantime, what we might do, because we've got so much to talk about, we might take a very short break and come back and talk about the games that we're going to be talking about. It sounds wonderful, How about Mark. that? That sounds fantastic. Uh, you with the Dice Men Cometh. We'll be back after this break. Hi, I'm Isaac Childress, uh, the designer of Gloomhaven and Frosthaven, and uh, you're listening to The Dice Man Cometh. The Dice Man Cometh! Alright, now we're back to talk in detail about some games. The clock has struck, Garth. It's time to let all your 
creepy little critters and cutesy little animals out and run around the room because this game, Hickory Dickory. Yes. And yes, the mouse did run up the clock mm. for all of those those people playing at home. So, dear mice and mices of Tocton Clock, <laughs> which you do need to say very carefully, Wax your whiskers and straighten your tails, for you are hereby invited to the royal scavenger hunt. Gather your team and hop and shove your way to glory. But mind your scavenger hunt card, for those items may be worth extra prizes once the clock strikes midnight. Mm. We will also have a chain climbing race for the little ones. The event begins at 7pm sharp. Dress is smart casual. A meal of sweet berries will be served for each item delivered by Lord He lives, surprisingly, in a (laughs) a cuckoo clock. clock. Uh, And look, this gives you pretty much everything you need to know for the theme of this particular game, which is Hickory Dickory, uh, published by Plaid Hat Games, um, designed by Sawyer West, Mm. which is not a designer that I'd heard of before, I must admit. And in this game, you will be playing not one, not two, but several mice and mices, essentially... Picking up and delivering stuff um, to try and hand into Lord Cuckoo or Cuckoo or Cuckoo, depending on your pronunciation. Cuckoo Borough. Four points. Yep. Uh, the game will be won by the person who therefore has the most points. And I like this little twist on it because who's heard of that mechanic before? Also, I've got to say, I didn't really think about this previously, but Plaid Hat, they've got a bit of a history with the cute little creatures, haven't they? Because obviously... Stuffed fables. Well, even before that, Mice and Mystics. Yeah. Well, I've got that over there as well somewhere. Yeah. Um, and was there another one? I mean, Dead of Winter, you know, that's got some fluffy it's little cute creatures the Wonder in it. That's for sure. Is there, is there a more wonderful creature? Yeah. But they are, they are great with this theme. And look, I have to say, Garth, I was a little bit... You're going to tell us a bit more about it, obviously, but... You're going straight into final thoughts, aren't no, you? No, no, just just pointing out that, you know, at first indication when you think hickory dickory, children's nursery rhyme, kill little animals, oh, it's a kid's game. Correct. And when you open the box, you would continue to think that because the components and the quality of this, look, Plat Hat make good quality stuff, mm. and this is awesome. You will not miss this game when it's on a table because the table presence is huge. The board itself is basically a top-down, well, a top-down cardboard clock. Yes. Uh, you've got the big face of the clock in the middle where you will then construct plastic um, hour and minute hands. The hour hand purely serves the purpose of being the round marker. Mm-hmm. Um, as you heard from the, the very thematic introduction that I provided, it starts at 7 p.m. sharp. Mm. So the hour hand starts at 7. The game will end once the hour hand goes boing. At midnight. At midnight. Um, the and minute we all hand, turn into pumpkins. Yes. Well, that's a different game. Well, I'll tell you about that later. Okay. Um, but yes, the, the minute hand serves a much more important purpose in this particular game, but we'll get to that mm-hmm. in a little bit. Okay. So you're going to play as a team of mice. You're all going to start at different times um, because you've got the 12-minute, the um, I guess, segregations, denominations, pieces segments. of pie, yeah. segments. The, the numbers one to 
11 yes. around the clock. And uh, you'll you'll take your team and it will tell you, you you're going to start on 2 and 5 and 9. And that's where you'll put your mice. One of your mice won't start on the board. Mm. You'll also have a scrambler, which basically does nothing except try and go up the chain of the clock. Uh, they want to do that quickly because you can score some pretty good points by being the first mice mm-hmm. mouse to climb up. I feel like we're going to have a whole bunch of problem with mice and mouse, <laughs> and like, like die and dice. Yes. Um, it is it is ostensibly a, a younger kid's game when you look at it. Mm. However, when you then get into the explanation of it and then actually start playing it, you'll realise that maybe it's a little bit more complicated yeah. than it looks on first face value. So, doesn't take long to play. Maybe hour, hour and a half, um, and that's including the Dice Man tax, which always makes it really, really, really long. And on your turn, essentially, you're going to start by moving the um, the hour hand forward. For every round, except the first one, you're then going to roll some dice. Two dice, in fact, which are D12s. Mm-hmm. And that is to signify cat paws. Oh, the cats. Because you'll roll those two. Um, and if it is a six and an eight, you've got two little cat paw tokens. That means those two spots are going to be blocked out because the cat's trying to catch the mouse. <laughs> Very thematic. Very and, uh, thematic. And quite cute with the little cat paws that go on the board Double-sided there. cat paw mm. tokens. One is the top of the paw, one's the bottom. So for you cat people out there, just buy it for you that. You can lift it up and see under the little, the little <laughs> the, what are the little, the little boop boops on the paws. That's right. Uh, and then basically you're going to start moving the minute hand from 12 to 1 to 2 and going around and around and around. And a round will end once the, the minute hand has done the full, you know, the full loop. The way it's going to work is every time the minute hand goes to a particular spot, mm-hmm. there are some options because there will be mice and meese potentially at that destination, mm-hmm. which can jump onto the minute hand. Or... You can just stay there if you want and do a particular action. You might be able to get a bonus tile if you're the first person to get there. Or if you're already on the minute hand, which is something that does happen, you can jump off, do the action, which will improve, hopefully, your ability to ultimately deliver the stuff that you need to to Lord Cuckoo. Mm. Or Cuckoo. Or Cuckoo. (laughs) Whichever your pronunciation happens to be. So you're going to basically have 11 different things that you can do and the majority of those are randomized at the start of the game not all of them uh the the 12 is always deliver to lord cuckoo mm-hmm. or cuckoo um and it's going to be particularly if you've got one of these special gift tokens yes. there's only three of them in the bag uh if you can basically deliver it to him you're going to get some bonus points the six is always a deliver a spot as well to get some bonuses and then spot 11 is another one where you can actually hand in um i guess particular orders that have been received yes. to, to get extra points so you've got three options of, of delivering them um but basically you're going to be spending the game coordinating your mice to get the tokens that are available on each of the slots to ultimately allow one or more of your mice to then deliver them because that's how you're going to get points. It is absolutely a pick up and deliver game. Yeah. The way you're going to be getting points is obviously with the delivery side of things, but what is it that you're delivering? Well, you're going to be delivering bits and pieces, Mm -hmm. stuff, which is kind of like small Azul tokens. Some of them are printed on with different things like um, 
what is it? Little cotton reels? Yeah, buttons, cotton buttons, reels. Bits and pieces, obviously little things that mice would be able to carry. And there are always going to be some um, quest cards available. And essentially, the first person to be able to deliver those is going to get the points. Mm. But you don't just get the points for those. You get points for then having combinations of tiles because you'll get a point for every single tile that you deliver. Plus, you'll get points for... The largest group of the same color, as well as then the largest group of the same icon. So a group of six tiles might be a fantastic delivery because it's going to give you six points. Mm. Plus, if they're all yellow, for example, that's another six points. And plus, they all say uh, all, all, all the buttons. That's another six points. That's a massive delivery. Yeah. Spoiler alert, you're not going to get that. <laughs> no. Because that's very, very, very difficult to do. It's more likely going to be two or three, and it's probably going to be like... A green marble, a purple button, <laughs> and an orange cotton reel. So you get like three, then you get one and one and one or something like that. That's yeah. right. And this is why it's important that you're playing as a group of mice. Mm. A plague of mice? Mm. I don't know. What's the um, what's the collective noun for, for mises? So the good thing about it is when you get a mouse at a particular minute location, if you have another one of your mouses or mice there or mices there... You can basically trade between your yep. own self. Um, each mouse has a little player board that tells you the ability of the mouse because they've got special abilities. And then what the carrying capacity in their backpack is. And the great thing is you can chop and change your, your tokens around between them for free, ultimately hoping to have mice that then can successfully deliver the quests that they're being asked to mm -hmm. provide. But more importantly, potentially just to be able to make some really good points by making sure you've got the best combination of tokens available. And I think, Garth, that is a fun part of the game in the fact that you don't just have four mice. We can all carry two or three things, you know. You've got the... the uh, What's the word that I want... Uh, the polite word that I can use. You've got the larger... The larger, stronger the mouse. The larger, stronger mouse... Um, he's got an extra large back. Fairly rotund. Yes. Um, who can carry like four things. You've got the mouse that can only carry two, but is like really fast. Yep. So you've got you've got the different special abilities, which make it quite interesting. And in yes. terms of, you know, which one do you want to get on the clock hand to get round to another position? Because if you can obviously, if you can get on the clock hand, you get to potentially jump off and act first before the people that are waiting there. That's right. So we haven't gone into too much detail about mm. this particular clock hand, the minute hand, because it is the crucial element. Mm. Because the clock minute hand, where your mice are going to be jumping on and jumping off, is not infinite, because who's seen an infinitely long minute hand? Mm. I certainly I mean. have it. This hand is adjustable, depending on whether you're playing with two, three, or four players. Mm -hmm. And what happens is if there's ever too many mice on the minute hand, the one at the front's got to fall off. They bump each other off. Because anytime your mouse jumps onto the minute hand, of course it goes to the back of the queue because mice like the English are very organised. <laughs> yes. You know, they know how to queue. Um, however, if the queue is too long, the front mouse has to jump yeah. off. Got, oh. no, got no choice. And this is where there's that element of, I can only plan so much, the rest of it is in the hands of the mm. mice. And this is where you, you just have this struggle of, I want to get this mouse onto the, the hand, but that bigger mouse that holds more takes up twice as yes. much space. Now, in a three-player game, if memory serves me correct, you can only have 
a maximum of four mice. Four regular size mice. Regular size, yes. And if you've got the larger carrying capacity one, that takes up two of those spots. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has a tendency to get knocked off pretty quick smart. Yeah, and really, I think this comes, comes down to, as you said, this is a very tactical game. You can look at your... Um, oh, you haven't talked about the mat. You can look at the mat that Garth's about to talk about and see what sort of things you want or what sort of tokens do you want to get next. You can look at the orders. You can look at the tiles that are out there. You can look at, okay, well, I can do this without that. You know, you, but you, you can't plan too much because no. just when you think you're going to get that tile, a sneaky mouse jumps off the hand and takes it before you. And then you think, well, I want to jump on and I want to ride around to there because that's going to let me better get something that's more useful. And then more people jump on and it's chaos on the clock. It sure is. And that's not even taking into account those dastardly cat paws Mm. that might be blocking the space that you want to go to because if it's a cat paw, it's a dead space. You cannot interact with it at all. And look, it's... Some people like it. Some people don't when you you look (laughs) at reviews and what have you. Um... I like it. I think it's a thematic touch, and I, I think it is relatively leveling because the block, the space is blocked out for everybody. Yep. Um, but yes, there is a mad scramble to try and get these deliveries done because it is really challenging. Now, as well as getting the points for those deliveries, whenever you are, are able to successfully deliver them, you are able to then also put the correct types of tiles being the correct color and the correct symbol onto your own individual player board, which again, kind of like final scoring in Azul, it'll give you points for completed rows and columns. Mm-hmm. That's damn difficult. Yes, it was very. And I I think maybe Leon was the only one who scored a completed row or column. Definitely yeah. not both. Um, considering it's a four by four grid, whew, challenging. Uh, so... It's not going to be a high-scoring game uh, necessarily, especially your first time. That's going to be a bit of a bit of a struggle. But you are—you're just making the best of your current situation. Now, there's ways to make things a little bit better and work in your favour. You can. There are some spots that allow you to basically go to Itsy's Market. Itsy Bitsy. <laughs> it's a spider for those of you yeah. who, who don't know. <laughs> Got it. Um, and you can buy tiles there, so you can basically um, spend stuff, get tiles whether that be just a random selection in her market, which are thematically stuck on her web. Mm. Um, and also you can, instead of doing that, you could choose to get a wild yes. tile. Very handy, those wild Super tiles. duper handy. Um, and there's only a few of those out every round, so they go pretty quick smart. Um, but yeah, the other option is just trying to make a beeline straight up the cord of the, um, of the clock because the first mouse to go all the way up the top gets nine points, yes. which is a decent amount of points. It's not the only points because then the... What's the thing at the bottom? The, the bottom of the pendulum? Yeah, the weight. The pendulum the weight. weight. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it gets slightly shorter. And then the next person or next mouse who's going to get up might get six points. And yeah. that becomes diminishing returns um, down to maybe three or four points every time further and further you go. So the game plays relatively similarly for all, all of the rounds, I find. There's not a huge amount of variability apart from the cat paw placements, which is just completely random chance. You're rolling 2D... Um, is it 2D12s? Um, maybe not even that. Maybe 2D10s because you can't block out 11 and 12, I think. So, um, you know, it's just, it's one of those ones where you're going, okay, 
I've got one mouse over there and it's got a special ability that allows me to draw extra tokens when I go to a spot which allows me to get extra tokens. So I want to get that one to the location, mm. which is at seven o'clock. He's over at three at the moment. So I've got to get him to jump on the thing. But if I jump on the thing, it's going to bump off my other mouse at a spot because Mark's going to definitely put his mouse who's on five, yeah. who's the larger carrying mouse, on there as well. So I'll be in front of him, which means that I'm probably going to get bumped off at five. <laughs> yes. So, but if I get five, I've got two mouse, mice at five. So therefore I can trade items between that. Okay, let's see if that's what's going to work. And and it's one of those things you can make all the best laid plans, mm -hmm. but it's this, this variability of jumping on and jumping off that really is going to throw you out. And then you've got these um, locations that sometimes are just going to throw another spanner in the works because um, some locations and some mice you don't just have to jump off at the spot that you are on. You potentially can jump forward two spaces. Yes. And that allows more, mobile, more flexibility as mices. well. Yeah. So, look, this game is not the light little kitty game that it looks like yep. when you look at the box and you see this beautiful art and you put it on the table and you see this wonderful big sprawling clock face. There's a, there's a game in here yes. that requires thought and taken to extremes could be quite AP prone. <laughs> yes. Yes. And as you said, it doesn't... Like, there's no real engine building. So it doesn't scale over the rounds and get more thinky, except for, as you said, those player boards where you might go, okay, I really need two orange buttons because that's going to help me complete that vertical row. But if I get a purple marble, then I might be able to get a vertical and a horizontal. You might start to think, think through those combinations a bit more. But apart from that, really, you're just looking, what is the order? What are the tiles I've got? What are the tiles that are available? What's the best I can make of it? And then when things go sideways, oh, I'm just going to trade some tiles in and get some points. And, that, and that's it, is, you know, the gamers in us are almost pre-programmed to, there's quests. Yeah. I need to achieve those. Yeah. Come rain, hail or shine, that's my goal. In this game, they're almost like a nice to have. Yes. They're a bonus. Yes. The the goal on every round, I think, is purely get stuff delivered. Get items, get get the little tokens onto your, your mouse. Ideally, fill up the capacity of the backpack, which mm. sometimes is only two, but sometimes it's a lot more tokens. And just get it delivered because... The, the scoring bonuses where it's a point per tile plus a point per tile of the largest colouring and then the largest um, symbol, that really allows it to tick over quite quite quickly, especially if you're making you know, more than one delivery around. You're, you're delivering at the 6 o'clock. You're also delivering at the 11 o'clock. And if you're lucky enough to draw one of those th only three um, sort of special gift tokens that yes. you can get to Lord Cuckoo, um, then then that's going to be a, a little bit of a bonus because the clock's always going to stop at midnight. So if you can manage to keep a mouse on there that's got one, two or yeah. three of those, then that's just that's some sort of icing on the mouse cake. I know for me that... Is that chocolate mousse cake? Um, I know for me, more often than not, it was just more about, look, I've got a heap of tokens. i just got to get some off and get some points. And my personal player board at the end was just a schmozzle. <laughs> I've got nowhere near any vertical or horizontal lines. No. But, you know, you just can't let a round go without having a scoring opportunity. So That's right. It is very much a game of making the best of what you can, given the chaos. 
crazy, the craziness that's going on on the clock, mice jumping on and off. Um, yeah, there, there's a real game in here. Uh, I was quite pleasantly surprised, and I think, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people out there that would, uh, would like this game. As you said, it doesn't overstay its welcome. You know, you're looking really that sixty to ninety minute mark, probably after you've played it the first time. But yeah, there, there, there's quite a bit of interesting decision space there. There is, and, and the randomised start just being with the um, the clock faces. Hmm. Uh, essentially, the tiles from one to six, or sorry, one to five, are. I think they're always they've got the sunlight back, so they're always going to be you know the same five tokens, but just yeah. in different orders. Same thing goes for seven through to eleven. Um, but yeah, look, it, it it is quite thinky, and and this is where I I think about it being on a Board game shelf yeah. in a board game store with a big title that says Hickory Dickory in this beautiful art and someone picks it up thinking it's a kid's game yeah. and drops it for the kids and then goes clunk <laughs> and can't get through the rule book. Yeah. Because again, you know, we're used to reading rules and we understand concepts and most of the time you can flick through and you go, yep, I got it. But you think about a family member who hasn't, it's 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 a challenge. It's It's... it's it's not incongruous, but it's just, it's going to be more complicated than you think it's going to be. And therein lies potentially a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think Stuffed Fables, I think, similarly had a, had a problem here. Because while the, the dice and the, the sort of element of that isn't overly complicated, if you've not ever done that yes. stuff before, it is. I gave, I gave a copy to my sister who had youngish children and I know it sat on the shelf for a number of years until my niece was probably like 13 or 14 and then she pulled it off, uh, having now been old enough to get stuck in and try and work it out. Yeah. And they managed to actually play a game of it, but it probably been there for three years, yep. four years just sitting there yep. because my sister, not being a gamer, you know, just... Couldn't manage to, to teach it. Yep. Well, I was able to get my kids to learn it, but not my partner. Mm. Maybe she just put up mental barriers. <laughs> However, you know, she still to this day... Well, she's married to you. Well, exactly. You blame her? Uh, no. Uh, but yeah, she said, look, it was just too complicated. Yeah. So, okay. Um, so, well, let's try something else then. But look, in this game, it's beautiful. Production quality is fantastic. If you know what you're getting in for, I think you'll have a really good time with it. However, you've got to be aware that this is not a little light kids game. You've got the, what is it? I guess basically Rondell mechanic with the... Yeah, it's the very clock, much a Rondell. Which, which is awesome. You've got Pick your lovely meese pools yep. where they're different shapes, you know, bigger ones, smaller ones for each of the meese. Um, it's, yeah, it's got a lot to offer, but as you said, you, you need to know the, the target audience and, you know, I guess we see this, mate, I don't know whether Everdell ever suffered from this problem with, you know, cutesy animals and people going, oh, it's a cutesy animal fun game. And then you go, what the, um, I don't know. But there's certainly, there's a lot going on. We enjoyed it. Absolutely. Um, I can't even remember who win, who won because it was so close in the end, I think. Yeah, it was. And I'm the same. I can't remember. I think Pro- Leon might have just got there. Maybe that's why we don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway... But look, yeah, a, a big thank you to Good Games Australia mm. for, for sending us this because it's only been out a little while. And um, yeah, if you're interested in it, absolutely take a look. Uh, it is beautiful. 
And um, we're very, very thankful to have received a copy, but also we're very thankful to be passing that copy on to some listeners. Yes. So that is all very exciting. Fantastic. Well, look, let's take a quick break. Let's come back and talk about our competition. What do you think about that? That sounds exceptional, Mark. You're with The Dice Man Cometh. We'll be back after this break. Hi, I'm James Wallace, games designer, publisher, and historian, and you're listening to The Dice Men Cometh. The Dice Men Cometh! Okay, now, very exciting. We're back for our competition now. For those of you who remember way, way, way back to the previous episode, episode 355, I interviewed James Wallace, who... Let's call him a board game historian. He's been on the scene for a long time, since the 80s, been involved in role-playing games, board games, very much in the in the UK scene. But he wrote a book about the Spiel des Jahres, the history of the Spiel des Jahres, but more importantly, all the games that have won, all the games that haven't won. Garth, you've got the book there in front of you. I do indeed. Now, Mark, mm. I'm going to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Have you ever wondered... When board games got so good? The last 40 years have seen, no- have seen nothing short of a revolution in the world of tabletop games, no longer synonymous with family arguments over a game of Monopoly or Trivial Pursuit. Board games and the once niche hobby of tabletop gaming have moved into the mainstream over the last four decades with modern classics like Catan, Ticket to Ride, <laughs> and Carcassonne becoming established household names. In this informative and entertaining volume, this revolution in tabletop gaming is revealed and reviewed by one of the most knowledgeable commentators there is. James Wallace. James Wallace. Mm -hmm. He explores the evolving world of board games through the lens of the Spiel des Jahres, which is Germany's prestigious Game of the Year awards, looking at a host of past winners catapulted to worldwide popularity, once lauded games, now sadly forgotten, and a few popular hits that somehow missed out. Mm. Alongside this, Wallace expertly chronicles the increasing sophistication in the design of modern board games and their ever-growing variety. Now, this bookmark, which is called Everybody Wins, is a book for anyone who loves games, wonders what all the fuss is about, or just wants to know what to play next. The essential, hugely readable study of the modern board game. And look, Garth, we were lucky enough to be sent a copy by the publisher, Aconite... Yeah, Aconite, which is basically the the publishing arm of Asmodee. Mm, So it is a book that is by a board game company. And obviously Asmodee are not small. Mm. So they've got massive resources to be able to make this book look spectacular. Yeah, it's it's got stunning photography. Um, James Wallace has played all the games. Uh, I did ask that in my interview, and he said yes. Um, but not only that, he's got information about each game. He's got informations about the um, the the nominees, which are some famous games that haven't won the award. It's a gorgeous coffee table style book. And Garth, it's quite massive. Can you see how many pages there are? Uh, yes. So it is, let's just call it 200 and 21. 221 pages with glossy photos 
Um, it breaks the Spiel des Jahres down into four decades. Talk about each decade. Then goes into each winner. And there's also a section at the bottom of the page. Um, I can't remember exactly where it talks about. If you like this game, you might like. What's it got there, Garth? Yeah, so it basically gives you the, the year and the Spiel des Jahres awards. And then it goes through... Um, the other games that were recommended mm-hmm. at that time, um, you know, what were the special awards and, and people who won things as well. So it gives you a whole bunch of information and a lot of a lot of gamers love their yeah. history. And a lot of gamers like you, Mark, were playing Ur, um, you know, two and a half, three thousand <laughs> years dust, ago. In Mesopotamia, that's Correct. right. And yeah. then you slowly saw the light and slowly started to get something a bit more sophisticated. Mm. And this book is for you. You get to relive your childhood um, through board games. Yeah. Now, very excitingly, not only have we got a copy of this, the hardcover copy to give away Correct. to our Australian listeners, but those of you out there who are outside Australia who so often miss out on the giveaways, we've got a second copy for a listener outside Australia. So we're going to ship our version, our copy of the book. Correct. To one listener here in Australia. Asmodee or Aconite are going to ship another copy of the book to someone outside Australia. How do you win one of these amazing books? I hear you ask, Garth, well, I'm going to tell you. Oh, wonderful, because I don't know. So what you need to do is you need to go back to episode 355. You need to listen to my interview with James Wallace. It's well worth a listen. It is, actually is. So like, it actually is, um, which, you know, might surprise some people. It is surprising, and, and I find myself slightly <laughs> dirty recommending that people listen to Mark for more mm. than just the normal amount of time. But what you need to answer is, at one stage in the interview, James Wallace talks about walking into a board game store and being confronted by a certain number of brightly coloured boxes... You need to tell us what that number is. You need to email that answer to dicebencometh at gmail.com. That's the only way to enter that competition because we don't want you posting it anywhere where someone else might be able to see it and then they can get to enter. No, no, you want to keep that information to yourself. So email dicebencometh at gmail.com with the answer of how many brightly coloured boxes James Wallace refers to. And you will go into the drawer for one of the two copies of Everybody Wins Four Decades of the Greatest Board Games Ever Made, The History of the Spiel des Jahres. And it's, yeah, I cannot say how beautiful this this. We game, were stunned when it arrived. We were like, looks. oh, I've seen pictures, but in real life, it is a stunning, gorgeous book. I mean, we, we all know there's so much lovely board game art out at the moment. This book captures all of that with its glossy photos it's got some fantastic nuggets of information in there. And uh, look, for, for those of us who are sort of really love our board game hobby, this is could be just a, a fantastic talking point around the family, um, a research article. Oh, there's so many uses. So I've already just learnt, Mark, two yes. things. Yeah. One is, I am as old as just build as Yara's is. <laughs> And I did know this, but it's great to know that the first game that won was the Hare and Tortoise, mm. which I have a copy of. Not yeah. the original version, but I, I have. used to as well. Mm. It is a uh, it is a great game, one of many many great games that have won the Spiel des Jahres, Garth. Correct, and hopefully there'll be another one in only a month or so, and hopefully it'll be an Australian designed one. Yeah, fingers crossed. All right, um, so we'll yeah. talk about that 
later on down the track. Absolutely. So please go back to episode 355. Listen to Mark's interview. Just pay attention to what James says. Don't worry about what Mark says. Uh, email in dicemencometh at gmail.com with the answer to that question about how many board games are on the shelf. When brightly coloured. Brightly coloured. Brightly coloured right. boxes. Yes. All right. We better take another break and then we're going to come back to some... Another game. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tom from Nerds of the West, and Diceman Cometh beat me at board games every time. The Cometh! Yes, welcome back to the Dicemen Cometh. It's Mark and Garth. Now, we are coming down to the final game that we are talking about today, which was also very generously provided to us by Good Games Australia. Mm. Thank you so much for all they do for us and for the Australian board gaming hobby. So thanks very much, Good Games. And if you're interested, jump on their website and have a look as well. Mark. Garth. You are not my father. I am your father. (laughs) (laughs) However, you are going to tell us about a little game about an unknown franchise called Stars War. (laughs) Yes, that's right. You may have heard of these this war among the stars. It's fairly popular these days amongst the young kids. And so we thought it was a good opportunity to talk about this game, which is very imaginatively named Star Wars, the deck building game. No, that's impossible. Yes. <laughs> so um, this game, Star Wars, the deck building game. Now, you'd be surprised to know you can play one of two sides. What? You can play... Inside or outside? The Empire. Which, of course, is the winning faction. Always. (laughs) Or you can play the Rebel Alliance. Um, Did I say it's a two-player game? Because there are only two sides. But there's also a third faction, which is... I don't even... They sort of... Do they have a name? I know they're, um, they're... They're basically a neutral faction because there's... Smugglers and thugs, bounty hunters, bounty hunters, and all those sort of people who don't do anything for money, including working for both sides. So, much like most deck builders, you're going to start off with a deck of cards that's pretty uninspiring, yeah, very basic. But you're going to then get the opportunity to add new cards to your deck, and even potentially to get rid of. Some of the rubbish we call that deck thinning in the deck building trade, and that is your favorite mechanic. It is, if, and if there is one in this particular game, yeah, well, mm. let's just say there are some deck thinning opportunities there, but sometimes they're a little bit few and far between. So, what you excuse me, what you have is in the middle of the two players, you will have a layout of cards called. The Galaxy Row. Because, of course, where are you going to find people and spaceships and things like that? You're going to find them in the galaxy. Yes. Is it a far, far away galaxy? Yeah, well, you know, depends which end of the galaxy you buy from. I guess you want it within arm's reach. (laughs) That's right. So, in this game, you are building your deck. You are using your deck to destroy either the evil empire or the Dastardly Rebel Alliance, depending on which side you are. (laughs) How you do that, and this is one of the um, interesting little twists in this game, is you have a deck of, uh, what are they called? Bases. 
do you have a deck of 20 base cards, 10 each? And they are, for the most part, planets. Yeah. Or moons. Or maybe, that's no moon. Yes. Endor. Hoth. That particular not a moon yeah. star. Dagobah. Coruscant. And interestingly, each of the moons, planets... Bases. Bases <laughs> uh, that you have, have a different number of hit points... Points, but anyway, a different m- number of points you need to damage to destroy them, and usually a different special ability. You have a one that you'll always start with, but then when that one gets destroyed, you can choose which of your deck of nine remaining is going to be the next one you want. So, do you want one that has a lot of life points? Do you want the one that has a special ability that lets you? Instead of putting the first card you buy into your discard pile, which is a normal deck building thing, putting it on the top of your deck or even into your hand where you get access to it straight away or you're able to it's able to repair itself, all sorts of crazy abilities. Now, you're going to be building up your forces and as with a lot of deck building games, you're sort of trying to build often little combos you have a number of, I don't know if currencies is the right word, but you basically, you have, the cards will either generate money, I think they're called resources, very imaginatively again, <laughs> or damage, or of course some cards will be able to produce, uh, produce money and damage. And then you also have, because it's Star Wars, you get to... Use the force, Luke. So there's a force track and there's a little marker as the balance of the force goes back and forth between the two players. When you have the force completely with you, because I am with the force and the force is with me, then you get a bonus of you get an extra one resource at the start of the round. But that could, you know, so many times you just need one more resource to buy that card you want. Uh, Everyone wants one more force ruble. That's right. That's right. So, on your turn, you will play all the cards from your hand. You will play them in any order. You will play them for resources. You will play them for damage. You can choose whether and what order. So, you might use your resources to buy a card from the Galaxy Row. You might use your damage to directly attack your opponent's planet. Or... In another little twist, and I know that there's a special term for it that I've got to look it up that I can never quite remember. You can damage the cards in the galaxy row to stop your opponent from being able to buy them. Yeah, and this is one of the things I really do like about this game is that not only are there two lots of types of bases, Empire and Rebels, but there are three types of cards that you'll be putting into the galaxy row. There are rebel cards there are empire cards and then there are the neutral cards Mm. and the great thing is the empire cards will be orientated so that they can face the empire player the rebel cards the same for the rebel player and then the neutral cards are sort of put sideways so that they are showing that they're available for anyone as the rebel player i can only ever purchase the rebel cards because it doesn't make sense that i can purchase darth vader if i'm the rebellion Mm. but i can purchase Chewie and han and Jin Urso and Cassian Andor and mm. R2 and all of those ones. Similarly for you as the the Empire, you're going to get all the nasty bad characters. No, no, they're good. 
Yeah, whatever. They're all my friends, God. Yes. Uh, but that is really cool because sometimes there will be no cards of your alliance oh, yes. in the galaxy row. <laughs> yes. And all you're doing is either potentially recruiting the, the neutral cards, which, you know, Jabba the Hutt, um, IG-88, yeah. those, those kind of ones. Um, or, yes, you're going to be wanting to attack the opposition type of cards just to get rid of them because you get a bonus for doing so. And if you're the Empire player, because it has two different names, if you're the Empire player, it's called you're doing a bounty hunting attack. So you're basically setting your bounty hunters on the cards in the row. If you're the Rebels, you are doing a sabotage attack. Mm-hmm. Why it has to have two different names, I theme, don't know. Theme, Mark. Theme. But theme. it's the same thing. Is You're basically you're knocking out the cards in the row that your opponent might like to take. And in another unique little twist, I haven't seen this in a card game of this type. And look, I haven't played any magic or pokemon or anything's like anything like that for a long long time but often if you are able to bounty hunt or sabotage a card from the galaxy row you can get a reward for doing that which may be resources maybe a special ability it may be one of those thinning your deck mechanics yes, which is you really may quite good be able to gain resources gain the force because that will help you shift the force track um, and I like the fact they do give that thinning that the cost exile that's what it's called they yes. call it exile the cost to attack the card is exactly the same cost as if you were from the opposing side that you'd have to pay in resources yes. so card costs five um, resources for you to buy as the empire it costs me five attack to do the damage on it and, it, and it's good the cards have the text written upside down so that, you know, the card's facing you. Yes. Um, but if I manage to kill Darth Vader, I can see what I'm going to get for, for killing him because I'm like across the side from the table and, and the, the card shows it. And did we mention that? That in the Galaxy Row, obviously, as the cards come out, the the cards that are on your side will be oriented towards you. The cards that are uh, for the opposite side will be oriented away. I did. And then the neutral cards will be oriented Sideways. Uh, sideways. Yes, I did that while you were doing did all your you? research. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking up in the book trying to find that particular <laughs> term for sabotaging or bounty hunting. But, Garth, we didn't mention one of the critical pieces of this puzzle because, you know, we're in space. We're in. We're dealing with the Imperial Navy and the Rebel Alliance fleet. They've got big ships. We call them in the business capital ships. And so you're able to buy these capital ships and capital ships, when they when they, you play them out of your hand, they will sit effectively as a barrier between your enemy and your planet. And your enemy has to attack the capital ships before they are able to attack your planet. So it does a form of blocking. A lot of these capital ships have special abilities. A lot of them are very expensive, got to say. Yes. But you can, if, obviously, if you can get out multiple capital ships, that's really going to slow your opponent down because, as we said, the aim of the game is destroying three planets. That's right. Or three bases, even. Or three bases. Yeah. So, look, this game, it starts slow, which is not uncommon for deck builders mm-hmm. because you both start with essentially the same kind of basic deck. You buy stuff, you use resources, you get better stuff, you cycle through, you start with 10 cards and your hand limit's five. So you're going through the deck pretty quickly. 
But very, very quickly, it goes from, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, to boom, oh, I've lost a planet. Yes. Boom, oh, I've killed a thing. Or this, or it's like, and then it's over in half an hour at most. So it really ramps up very quickly because you can, like in a lot of deck builders, have a turn that is just not what you need. Oh, I've got eight resources. That's great. All of the cards are empires and I need attack to be able to destroy them. Or I don't want to buy all these cards because I've got, but I thought I had the deck the way I wanted it and it's not working. Although sometimes you have turns that just go and they're beautiful. Yes. They're exactly what you need. And you destroy a thing that allows you to do another card that allows you to do the thing that allows you to get the thing so that your base is, you know, being able to destroy your opponent's base. So this game's really quite interesting. And I must admit, when I played it first, I was sort of like, this game reminds me of another game. I can't think what it was. I looked up on Board Game Geek to see, is this a re-implementation of another game? And it's not. But this game is quite similar to a game called Star Realms, which is a game designed by a bunch of, I think, ex-professional magic players to have that sort of feel. In Star Realms, you have four different factions, but you can buy cards from any faction, but usually the factions will combo together. Whereas what you've got here is you've effectively got two opposing factions and then a neutral faction that you both have access to. Star Realms also had the capital ships that sit out and um, you didn't have bases in that. You basically just had points that you would attack off, if you like, the opponent. It's like you're a giant space wizard yes. and you're taking the damage yourself with these weird, stupid damage cards that were just cards that went, you know, ones, lots of ones and then twos and fives and whatever. They're like 50 points. But I did like that game because of the comboing ability and you were choosing, well, I'm going to go, am I going to go for the combos that give me resources? Am I going to go for the combos that give me damage or the combos that give me crazy weird stuff? In this, you don't have that decision space because you've only got your one faction. But you certainly have, I'm going to go all out for money at the start to try and buy lots of good stuff. Or I'm going to go crazy for damage at the start to get in some early hits before my opponent can buy some of those capital ships and Correct. get a bit of a head start. Am I going to try and get more force abilities? Because, as you said, the, the force, um, it is used... Is it used as a tiebreaker? Maybe that's something else I'm thinking of. But you get that bonus resource at the start of the round if you can get complete control of the force. Well, and some cards have extra bonuses if the force if, is with you. If, and because I am one and the force is with me. That's, that's right. right. Um, but it's tight. Yeah. I like that tightness of, I don't have to think about, well, there's four different factions. Which one am I going to go? Which am I going to specialize in? Oh, I've started specializing in green. Oh, but there's a couple of blue cards that are really cool. And now I'm going to like weaken my deck by going for another one. You you know what you need to focus on. You can do, do it in a few different ways. There's lots of powerful cards, but they're quite expensive. You can't save your resources up from turn to turn, which is always tricky. So there's there's enough going on to make this a fun little deck builder straight out of the box. And then I think, obviously, there's scope for expansions. Yeah, well, there's been talk of, obviously, expansions, but then there's been also talk of the, the newer release yeah. Star Wars game that, you know, is it going to kill this one? Um, but I like the fact that, while you're saying there's not sort of factional um, sort of decisions you need to be mm. making because there's only two, but I like the fact that, you know, if you get the Millennium Falcon and then you get the Han Solo and then you get the Chewie card, geez, do they work well yes, together? That's exactly and that's just like right. a death death machine going on there. <laughs> so, look, uh, the deck is really large. 
you will be lucky to go through yeah. a third to a half of the deck on any given game. So there's heaps and heaps of replayability. Yeah. I've played this half a dozen times with my kids over the last few weeks. I don't think we've seen every single card out yet. So I really enjoy it. The The price point is pretty good for a two-player card game. Uh, I sleeved it, which is one of only two games I've sleeved yeah. in the last 4,000 years. Um, yeah. Of course, with any dick. Deck, deck builder there's a lot of shuffling Correct. so yeah sleeves are a good idea but i agree i think you, you know you it's not like you're buying this thinking wow i hope there's expansions there's enough play in this box to keep you very well satisfied i played it with my wife um let me guess she loves it she loved it you know <laughs> she loves star wars but it was simple enough for us to pick up straight away she beat me again. Good. Um, but yeah, you know, look, you, you've got fun with your favourite characters. You've got fun in the Star Wars universe. I think the art looks really good. Yes. I really do like yeah. the art. Whereas, again, on the new Star Wars game, the art yeah, is maybe a sure. bit more um, polarising. Mm. Let's just say that. Look, thank you so much again to Good Games for providing us with a copy of this. Because I have to say, look, yes, it's got a nice picture of, you know, Luke and Darth going at it on the cover. And I love Star Wars, but I don't know, looking at this, because it's not a massive box, I don't know if it's the sort of thing that I would have picked up on the shelf on my own because it it looks a little bit vanilla-y without knowing what's inside. But now having played it, it's a great little game. It's yeah. yeah, there's a lot of game in that small box, and I think a lot of people could really enjoy this. I agree. I think the the negatives for me are that the first couple of turns are dull. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and again, that's not uncommon in deck building yeah. games. Um, and it, obviously because you don't have like pools of cards to buy from, you've just got that galaxy row. Which has got can, six cards that all six could not be right. the other faction. Just like we, you and I played a game about a week ago and it was like I was the Empire Man, an Empire card didn't come out for probably about the first 10 cards. There were some neutral cards. but And then all of a sudden, there was all Empire cards. Exactly. So it swung back the other way. So look, of course, any um, game involving cards and shuffling and everything like that is going to be a little bit random. But I think because this game doesn't take a long time to play, you know, you can smash it out in like 30, 40 minutes. Oh, probably, probably less. Yeah. Probably saying 20 to 30. Yeah, so, most. you know, you're not... If, if you get a bad card draw, just play another round. That's right. And there are a couple of little modules, uh, sorry, not modules, but just tweaks to gameplay yeah. that, you know, there's an option there to basically spend resources to, to pay off the, the neutral bounty hunter cards just to get them out of the galaxy row because when there, there is that problem where a lot of the time there are cards that are either unaffordable or they're just not what you want. Yeah. So that gives you an option to, to essentially clear it because otherwise there's no real way to, to wipe the galaxy row. Yeah. So I would suggest playing that pretty pretty early on after you've yeah. got the basics down. Um, but yeah, look, I, I'm I'm excited to see, fingers crossed, what an expansion brings to this because yeah. there's already a truckload of cards in there. Um, I think if it can if it can add a bit more variety, that's never a bad thing. Yeah, I I'm, I must admit. I'd like to see some variability in the starting Correct. hands because they're just, they're just you know, like six ships that give you one resource, three ship, three guys that give you one point of damage, yep. and one dude that gives you either or. Correct. Um, yeah. But apart from that, yeah, look, a lot of fun. As you said, really great price point. Thank you so much to Good Games Australia. Thank you to Good Games Australia for both of the games mm. that we talked about in this show. Now, Garth, yep. amazingly, 
We got through everything we needed to get through. Wow. Before we go, though, what are you most excited to play at BorderCon? Um... Well, look, the only game I think I've organised is Frostpunk, and I'm very, very, very excited to die horribly in pain and cold and freezing <laughs> in that one. But I'm just really excited to play a game with Neil, who's the you know on the on the yes. committee for BorderCon. Um, I'm also excited to play the traditional Times Up that happens of at course. late o'clock um, after a couple of adult beverages, um, and I'm just excited to see which one of you or Leon calls it quits early and has a day lying in bed because they just can't handle the it's awesomeness It's never me, con. Garth. I've never done that in... I think this is my ninth border con. I'm pretty sure you disappeared for an extended period of time last year. Uh, uh, yeah, well, may have had, had a bit, bit of a spicy, spicy cough. cough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, I'm really looking forward to very good friend of the show, James Ewing, teaching me obsession. Mm-hmm. And I believe I may even be getting to play the Monster Mammoth, very complicated game that I was watching videos on today, John Company, second edition, which is daunting, but also very exciting. But You are more booked out this year than any other year. Oh, you know, sometimes there's just games out that you have to play, Garth. Well, I'm excited to hopefully play uh, Challenges, because mm-hmm. that's the one uh, Kennespiel game that I haven't yes. played yet. Um, Dorf Romantic, um, which, you know, for the SD... SD DJ is the one that we haven't played. Yeah. Um, oh no, sorry. We haven't played haven't any played, of haven't the played, Spiel games. Yeah, haven't played Dorf Romantic. I've just you played on one on Board Game Arena. Correct. And uh, Fun Facts is the the third one, mm. which um, hopefully someone will have a copy. It's it's by Repos. You know they've done just one and they've done so clever. Yeah. So there's a there's a huge sort of expectation around that. Anyway, that is episode three hundred and fifty six. We're going to go off. I guess we might as well start packing our bags now. I bought toothpaste today. This week. And when we come back in our next episode, we're going to tell you all about it. Oh, for the competition, um, I believe you're going to have a month. So we're going to draw it at the end of the month. Okay? So, so don't do your mess taxes around. at the end of the month because it's the end of the, June, the financial yep. year in Australia. But for those of you living overseas who are trying to get the international copy, just do it by the end of June. Yeah, please. that's right. And we'll be posting on Facebook more about the competition so you won't miss out as long as you don't send your emails in. As long as you do send your emails in. Dicemancometh at gmail.com. We better go. Yep. We're out of here, Garth. Thanks Thank for you listening so much to for episode being with us. for 356 times. Bye. Dice See you later, everyone. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.